Salam, salam, ishtane, singe. Welcome to the uh, Samovar Network podcast. I'm Diz. You may not have heard me on here before. This is my first time on here. I probably shouldn't say I'm Diz. Dawood is my Afghan name. No, I'm There you go. Okay, I'm, I'm Nura. Yeah. Welcome. Uh, how bad did I butcher that intro, Nura? Your Hirati accent needs some work. Ishtanin will, we're going to have a guest on in a few moments that also speaks Hirati, so we should practice with her. But that was better than Omar. So. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of things better than Omar, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why are we on today? So we're starting a new segment, calling it the Afghan American Playbook. Um, we're calling it the Afghan American Playbook because for those of you who don't know what a playbook is, uh, maybe you haven't played any sports as a child or as an adult. Um, when you're on a team sport, your coach gives you a playbook, right? And that just kind of tells you what to do while you're out there. So like, you know, you have certain things that you're supposed to do. Like if you're a quarterback, like, all right, I'm running this play. Or if you're a, a point guard, you're running this play. Um, we're calling it that because for a lot of us, we're first generation Afghan American and we don't know what we're supposed to do during like Afghan events, um, funerals, weddings, Maimonese, parties, mm-hmm. conferences, you know, so we're kind of giving you a, a why behind the what, of what we're doing here. The why behind the what. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so today we're starting out on a bittersweet note. We're going to discuss funerals and um, processing that in the culture. Um, I know, Dawood, you had uh, a recent experience you'll share with us. And on the call, in addition to you, we have invited uh, an expert and Full disclosure, this expert I'm honored to have as my sister. So there'll be some inside stories we'll have. But um, Iman is actually formerly Dr. Iman Ahmed Sadiq. She received her PhD in sociology at Northwestern University. Dr. Sadiq did a one and a half year in-depth ethnographic study of Little Kabul and interviewed nearly 100 Afghans in the Bay Area. In addition, she has a master in education policy and management from Harvard University and is a Wolverine receiving her bachelor from the University of Michigan. Her academic work focuses on cultural sociology, race, religion, and immigration. On a fun note, because she does work on culture, she also dabbles in um, this. She does amazing Afghan recipes. That's probably how you know Iman. So outside of being Dr. Ahmed Sadiq, she has her blog on Instagram. You can follow it at Imanistan, and we'll probably put a plug on our Instagram page. But Iman, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Nora. It's uh, nice to hear my sister call me an expert. <laughs> it's <laughs> your good older to connect with you. So, like, that must be even more like gratifying. You know, it's 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 not bad hearing that sometimes. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm excited to join the TSN team. Hey, long time in the making. We're um, we wanted to get your thoughts. I know you, you and I have talked about this, and the three of us are friends. The three of us have talked about this offline, but um, the quirky things that happen with culture. But we wanted mm-hmm. to kick off by asking you, why do funerals matter, and why do they matter specifically for for Afghans in the diaspora? 
Sure. So uh, funerals obviously matter in a lot of different cultures. And uh, the interesting thing that I think we sometimes forget as a part of the diaspora community is that the significant difference between Afghans and Americans are Afghans come from a collective culture, right? Where it's the us before the individual. And here in the States, we grew up in an individualistic culture where it's the individual before the us. Um, and so that kind of creates uh, a disconnect sometimes. And so um, it's an interesting process going through an Afghan funeral because it's really the epitome of seeing a collectivist culture, this group before the individual um, experience. Um, and so because the group matters the most, uh, oftentimes in a funeral, this is a time when the group is coming together to honor and respect uh, a member of the family or um, a member of the community that has been lost. And so this is a significant time, not just for individuals who are religious, but also for people who um, place an importance on culture or um, have been raised in a household where, um, you know, your avronyat uh, is something significant, right? And it's interesting too, because even for Afghans who are not religious, um, it doesn't mean that you know a funeral is not something significant to you. They still um, conduct funerals in kind of what what's the Afghan way back home, right? Where um, which is so infused with Islamic tradition that it oftentimes is those steps of. Uh, religious rituals that they go through. But in addition to that, Afghans are very unique in that they don't just practice, you know, your traditional Islam like other folks. Um, they have more of a, a spiritual take on Islam. And so there's a lot of khatims involved. And, you know, I used to take for granted khatims are something that everyone knows what they are. Um, everyone what are they? What they are. So khatims are usually when individuals gather and they make a commitment to um, a completion of something, right? So they'll repeat the certain names of God that mean something significant in relation to an event. Um, and they'll set a number on that like 5,000 times. So you'll have all the grandmas and everyone coming around around a dasarhan, around that mat that they lay on the floor with a bunch of 5,000 kidney beans. And you're counting oh, and you're just God, saying these beans. words a million times. Iman, do you remember how many times we've had to play with kidney beans as a kid? Oh my God, don't even tell. <laughs> like more than I can count. Or like, oftentimes for, for, um, for funerals, they'll do, let's read the whole Quran, you know, let's split that up and then make a dua after. And the thought behind it is that there's this religious ritual, this commitment to God that you're making. And therefore the bigger the commitment, the, when you're asking of them, you know, oftentimes they're asking for forgiveness of that person's soul and ease as they pass into the next life, that, um, that, that really will be heard more because of how much of a, a sacrifice they've made in that time. But yeah, let me tell you, khatims, I, I used to think everyone does khatims. Everyone knows what a khatim is, but apparently the kidney bean trauma is just, uh, an Afghan privilege. <laughs> no, yo, hold on. This kidney bean thing is like new to me. We, uh, oh, really? You never had to do that. No, I don't know. What I, we have like taspays and stuff, but yeah. Okay. Break, tell them what a kidney bean, break down the truth, like the kidney beans. <laughs> and we're going to have to do a poll to see how many people have dealt with let kidney me know, beans. Let me tell you what, what, what it is there. So my grandma is like a, an OG of little cobble. Okay. And so they have these little things. cobble is in Fremont, California, for those who don't know, but go yeah. ahead. 
And so she would literally have these weekly things, these weekly gatherings where the old ladies get together. They have, um, they have the toshako around the, the floor mats around, um, this long kind of like plastic tablecloth on the floor. And then they roll out the, the dried kidney beans, the, you know, like the bag of Goya you get from the international section. Yeah. They just rip those open, count them, count like 5,000 of them, throw them in the middle. And then each person has to like grab a bunch and each one you're grabbing is just a way to count like a tasbeh every single time you're repeating, I don't know, whatever you're supposed to repeat after them, the little phrase or the name of God or whatever it is. Damn, you're you know? hella old school. I like it. Man, I, I, I just, I just received confirmation from Omar Aziz that indeed his family did that too. In okay. Fremont. This might be a Fremont thing. It's not just a Fremont thing. It's like a, it's this Afghan thing. Nope. I mean, my husband's Kenyan. He, they're like more along the Arab line of things. And he had no idea why that, what a khatam is or the kidney beans too. And I was like, am I crazy? Let's but, so let's yeah. pause there. So you mentioned steps. So I think what I'm really excited by is if we go through some of these steps that you just mentioned. And um, I wanted to turn to Dawood. And Dawood, you just, I, this is so weird for me that I'm calling you Dawood. But Dawood, yeah. um, you just had a big um, loss in your family. Your baby John, your grandmother passed away. And I wondered if you would feel comfortable maybe sharing some of the steps of the process um, and what that felt like. And then Iman can sort of offer some insight. And I'm curious to see that conversation between you and Iman about what your process was like dealing with this and the different steps. And then Iman, how does this relate to things you've noticed in observing these rituals set many times over through your ethnography? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm down to, to talk about, you know, like my personal story about what happened. Um, I just want to preface this by, you know, giving like a trigger warning for the people listening. Um, I know dealing with that uh, can be very traumatic for a lot of people. Um, and I'm going to be talking about like what like stuff leading up to when my grandmother passed and then after she passed. So um, if it's going to be, you know, like giving you some kind of like triggers, this would be like the right time to stop listening. Um, but with that said, uh, I think the, the whole story kind of starts with actually my grandma being in the hospital. Um, we, yeah. took her, we took her to the hospital like a week before she passed. And um, like that whole week, like, cause she got really sick, but you know, up before she passed. And um, during that week we had like, I want to say like hundreds of people came to the hospital just to see her. And like, I was asking my mom why she was saying that like, you know, so like, that's like one of the answers I got from her or like, you know, people loved your grandma. That's why they're there. Um, and then I, I recall the night that like, you know, she was passing. Um, we were all in the room, you know, we're all silent in the room and my aunts and my mom were just kind of like reciting a surah to themselves. I'm not sure which one it was. I'm not, I'm not very religious personally, so I don't know like what prayers you're supposed to, to do at that time, but I know they were doing, they were saying some surah and then, um, my cousin Madina was actually in my grandmother's ear and just like reciting that surah for her. Mm. Um, Iman, yeah. do you think it was surah Yasin maybe? That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Probably surah Yasin. I think yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Cause 
I remember at one point, my like before my grandmother passed, her right index finger went up, and like I don't mm. know behind that. Oh, you know your your cousin was probably resetting the shahada in her ear. I, okay, yeah, I think that's what they were doing, and then I know yeah. that there there was a surah, and I, is y'all seen the one where you you lift your finger up towards God? So the, they they might have been reciting Surah Yasin to her, and then your cousin might have been doing the shahada, and they lift the finger up to God when they're doing the shahada. Okay, so that's that's probably what it was, because like yeah, my grandma was a very like practicing woman, right? Like yeah, um, she would pray five times a day, you know, like she she was very religious and very spiritual. Like she like on her downtime, she'd either be. Um, like on her taspe, like doing duas, or she'd be reading the Quran. Like that's, mm. that's what she did for like on her downtime, just hanging out at the house. So yeah. like they were saying like, you know, like even as she's passing, she still like has this religious influence on her. That's why she, you know, she has like her, uh, her finger pointed up towards God. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, something that, um, Afghans take deeply is, you know, the whole passing away process. And, um, it, it makes sense. You want to, you know, it's kind of like you want to have all the insurances necessary. And one of the beliefs is that when you pass, an angel is going to ask you what are things that you believe in. And you, you have to, if you're someone who, um, was a good practicing person, you'll know the right answers to say one God and Muhammad was his last messenger and things like that. So I think that's why, it's like this belief that if you're saying the Shahada, which is the, the testament of faith that I believe in one God and Muhammad is the last messenger, that um, hopefully that will assist that person. That's also just like a, a blessed thing to say in that moment that um, you're still connected to God in the moment that you're transitioning in life, right? I think that's why they, they do that. Even, um, and I don't, you know, I've seen that for people who are religious and not religious. It's so interesting that um, there's some folks that I know that are, are close to my family and they're not very practicing, but the, the same thing happened when the the uncle was in the hospital. They were doing the exact same thing for him. I think because the family was concerned, they're like, we just want to make sure he passes in a, in a positive way. And that's the way we know. Yeah. It, uh, now that you mention it, there's a, it's kind of a funny story when uh-huh. my, gra- my grandmother's uh, brother, like this was maybe 10 years ago. He, yeah he was on life support and he came out of it. Right. When they took him off life support, he actually came out of the coma that he was in. And, uh, so like the, one of the first things he said was he looked at my mom's uh, twin sister. Uh, he's like, you know, like, (laughs) are you serious? Yeah. Cause like he he remembers it while he was like in the, like, so yeah, I think that's what they were saying. And I remember my mom talking about angels being around my grandma. So that was one of the things that like my, my mom and my aunts were saying, like, you know, you guys can't cry loudly because the angels are going to be here. To, you know, to take your grandmother like up to heaven with them. So like that's that's kind of like some of the stuff that my mom was telling me during that night. Um, I think that's that's an interesting point. Is the I I it's like you're mourning, so you want to be able to just do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, express your emotions. But I experienced the same sort of thing where it's almost like you're being regulated in that moment where they're like, this is how you should act. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. Like don't touch the dead body after it's passed. And because my grandfather also passed away with our whole family around him. And, um, you know, he was in the home with us. And so it was, it was all those rules. And in the moment you're just like, 
but I just feel like this, you know, I feel like crying and I don't, I can't tell you, am I crying loud or quietly or what it is? And it's, um, it's interesting. It is a, it's like a, it's, I don't think it's just your individual experience, that whole, um, regulation of the rules around how it should be when that person passes, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's hard, you know, like you, you, you have all these emotions like flowing through you and, uh, I was trying to be cognizant of not like crying out loud, you know, because like that's something they told us not to do. Um, but it's, it's tough to navigate that. But, you know, like after she passed, I didn't understand this. So like my mom wrapped something around my grandmother's head and then around her feet, like it was like a, like a white cloth. Mm. uh, Is there like any significance behind that? Cause that was kind of like me off a little bit. You know, that's, that's interesting. Usually they, they wrap the body um, when they're preparing it for burial. And I know Nora's done that. And maybe you'll talk about that later. But um, that's probably she, maybe in respect of your grandmother, she was preparing her body because the belief is that they should be buried right away so that their soul is in rest um, because they'll be in unrest until then. And I think you know, it's even hard for me as someone who's been an ethnographer observing these things to know what parts of it is Afghan culture and what part of it is religion. You know, um, a lot of times the the funerals I grew up going to were Arab funerals. And so it was different. But that that whole thing of wrapping the head and the feet in a white cloth is not unusual with Afghans. And I don't know if it's because they're preparing early for the body's burial or just trying to respect the body. Um, but ultimately when they're placed in the grave, they're placed with two huge white cloths wrapping the bottom part of their body and the upper part of their body. So maybe that's what your mom was doing there. Yeah. Cause I know she was pr- like, after she passed, we did call like the, yeah. uh, the funeral home and like, we're getting ready to transport the body. So that, yeah. that may have just been like her way of transporting the body easier. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the next thing that happened was this was my least favorite part of everything. Um, other than my grandma actually passing away was like, so we had to announce that my grandma passed. So like, you know, like we were calling friends and family members and just loved ones, letting them know that my grandma passed. Um, and then we wrote like an Elona Fatya. So for those of you who don't speak Farsi, it's just the announcement of the funeral. Um, so we had to write that and then we put that on TV uh, giving like the date and like the place of where everything was going to be. But, um, you know, we all, you went. Sorry. you don't have to pay for that. Uh, you do. Yeah. Uh, my, I think my, my cousin's husband paid for the Elon of Fatia. So like, that was something that he paid for. The most annoying part for me, uh, of the whole process was actually the day after or the morning after she passed. Cause she passed at like one in the morning. So like mm-hmm. we all went home got like a few hours of sleep if we could sleep. But then like we wake up early and, um, I got tasked with, uh, my cousin's husband, who's also named Doge. They sent both the Doge's to Costco. Hey. Uh, yeah. I guess Why do Afghans go to Costco? I swear to God. Yeah, okay. Both discounts, you... homie. We like to, we like For to be real? frugal with our money. Um, but yeah, they sent, they sent the Doge's and a trip to Costco. So like, we had to stock up on uh, paper plates, like napkins, like plastic silverware, water, soda, cups. Basically, like, as if we were prepping for a party, for lack of a better terms, you know? Like, 
Yeah. It's like, like, I mean, my grandmother just passed less than like seven hours ago and yeah. I'm at Costco, like, Hey, styrofoam uh, cups. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, don't even get me started on the styrofoam cups. Put your environmental justice side aside. Yeah. Let's <laughs> no, yeah, forget the environmental justice side. Sorry. Cause I know you're listening, but, um, uh, I'll, I'll get into like my issue with the the whole styrofoam cups thing, but you know, like, so we take everything back and then like, we're just prepping chairs and like making sure that like my cousin's house is clean. Cause we're expecting everyone to just show up. Oh, you guys have the after party, not the after party, sorry. The money after at the house, not at a hall. So this is before everything, right? Okay. This is, this oh. is before, before the, the janazah and the fatya and everything, right? But people start coming before the actual janazah and fatya? Yeah, and our wow. family, yeah, it's like everyone comes. I, I was asking about this, right? Because I am I was getting very annoyed Yeah. because I want to be with my family at this point, right? Like, I want to be with my cousins and my aunts and just, like, you know, like, be surrounded by love and just allow to, like, mourn privately, but we couldn't do that because we had a, it was basically like a Maimani. Like we had, yeah. I think the around 3 PM people started showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have like these samawars filled with just like tea and like we're serving tea. Someone complained, and this is my issue with the styrofoam cup. Someone complained that we were giving out tea in a styrofoam cup. Instead of the glass cup. Yeah. They're like, you know, <laughs> what the heck? Like, yeah, wow. Right? So like, Mind you, like, I'm over here grieving, but then I'm hearing that people are upset that we have styrofoam cups instead of, like, glass cups for their tea, as if it makes the fucking tea taste any different. Sorry for my language. I'm a little vulgar. But, um, but, like, I don't think that the tea tastes any different if it comes from a glass cup or if it comes from a styrofoam cup, but they were complaining about that. Um, It was weird. Like, we wanted, like, my cousins and I, because we're younger, we wanted to just get everything over with, right? Like, mm-hmm. we wanted to do the burial, like, the, the next day. So my grandma passed away on a Monday, like, early morning Monday. We wanted to do the burial on Tuesday, right? Yeah. And my mom and my aunts were saying, no, that's not tradition. We can't do it during the middle of the week because then the soul won't be at rest or something. Like, yeah. bury her that, like far away from a jama, it's not a good thing to do. So I guess like traditionally they, they want to do burials either on a Friday or on a Thursday, like in, and at least in our family. Right. Yeah. Um, that was something that I didn't know anything about. Is there any like significance behind that? I mean, so the thing is, it's just like, those are very blessed days Islamically in the, the week. I think Afghans take like that, and then they take it to a different place. I think maybe what they weren't able to explain is that the Islamic tradition is to bury someone ASAP as soon as you can, just because the belief is that after you pass until you're under the ground in a, you know, where you're going to be resting, your soul will be an unrest. The relation to the the day of Friday is, I think, the cultural component more so, where, yes, it is a very blessed day. It is good to be closer to that. And it's not just your family that that does that kind of stuff. Um, But I think that that's where they kind of fuse traditions together. You know what I mean? Like they I think in these kind of moments, I've seen the older generation really become focused on ritual and tradition, because I think that's what gives them comfort in these difficult times, you know? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I don't know. It's just for us, I think like for the younger generation, we yeah. wanted to, to just get things going because Oh yeah. I know like it, it's tough because, you know, like while you're mourning, we're sitting there serving, right? And these are yeah. conversations I've had with other people since my grandmother passed. Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard in other like traditions, like um my friend Sultan was telling me like in Ghanaian tradition, people actually come and they bring food for the family. Yeah. Past, yeah. right whereas in our family like we're making food right yeah. or if it wasn't us specifically like like her immediate family wasn't making food it was like her nieces and nephews you know like her extended Yo, family that's so yes. afghan yes. you, want, you, want, you want to tell them what happened yes. with ours i mean yeah. we're skipping a few steps but like this feels when so with all these parties you're making food we had a commercial kitchen at the mosque and we were inviting my like we were my family was like well known in the like the Toledo local muslim community we would have dinners for 300 people we had three dinners every night one after the other and every morning we would come in like clockwork there's like 30 cousins where the sous chefs chopping 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 my dad's doing the meat the aunts are doing the rice and then we did that one day day two day three and then they're like we're gonna do all of this again in a week and all the cousins were like protesters we're like we're done we did this for three days yeah, like, they're like, like, you're going to do that every Shalajumah. You're going to do it on the 40 days, this and that. And you're exhausted. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Like, it takes, like, I, I felt bad, right? Because yeah. it was my female cousins who were passing mm-hmm. out tea, my sister-in-law, and then my, uh, my other cousin's wife. Like, it was all the women in my family passing out tea. And, like, yo, those mm-hmm. things, those trays get heavy. So yeah. There's some so, like, gendered elements here, too. Yeah. Yeah, and God I, forbid, like something spills on you or something, right? right? I was getting annoyed, right? Because like people weren't doing like enough work. So like I'd go and I'd be like, yo, Maria, let me, let me grab the tray. Let me take it out this time. And one of the things that bothered me was I didn't know who this lady was, but she, uh, when I was passing out the tea, she's like, wow, they for me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think it goes back to that whole thing of tradition, um, where Afghans, the the older generation for them, their comfort is the traditions that they know. And so hospitality is our biggest thing. And we're not going to lose showing face of hospitality, even in these kind of moments, which is frustrating because I think that the diasporic experience is like, as an American, you're like, I'm just going to grieve. It's about us right now. It's not about, you know, it's not a, it's not about how we appear to others, but yeah, I mean, we we did that for a few days, and then, um, you know, so Thursday. So when was Thursday the day of the burial? Yeah, Thursday was the day of the burial. So uh, that morning, it was my mom, my aunts, and um, my two female cousins, right, that wanted to go and wash the body. So they went early in the morning to the funeral home, and they washed my grandma's body. And then mm-hmm. after they washed the, the body, there was, like, that's when people start showing up for like the Janaza. Yeah. And there, there was like a little room where like everyone kind of gathered in before it kind of seemed like, um, like a wake for lack of a better term almost. Right. Like her body like was there in like the coffin. Yeah. Or the, the, I don't, I don't even know if it's Islamically it is a coffin, but like, that's the only term I could think of for it. Cause it's yeah. just like a little wooden box. Like we don't yeah. have like extravagant, like coffins in our culture or in our yeah. religion, I guess. Um, but 
body was there. And then like my aunt told a poem that she had wrote like about my grandma. So she recited a poem and then, um, we had like our family imam go up and he just said like a few little prayers there, like some du'as there. And we, um, you know, so we did that and then we had to carry the body over to the, to the burial ground. And I guess, so did they do the prayer there? No, we didn't do the prayer there. We did oh. like a small little du'a there, but then we're carrying the body to the burial ground, and that's where we did the prayer. Okay. Um, oh. So I don't, I don't know. We didn't you do guys, it at the mosque. No, we, we didn't. Yeah, we okay. we did it actually there. I guess it's just like a southern, maybe it's a southern California thing, because when I've gone to like the Bay Area, they did the mm-hmm. namaz janaza at the the masjid, and then you take the body. Right? You know, I it was it's interesting. I went to a namaz. Uh, uh, one of those prayers once and I was waiting inside the women's area for the prayer. And I didn't realize apparently they prayed outside of the mosque, even though we were in the mosque to give the condolences. So I don't know. And so one of the Afghans there is like, no, that's how we do it. And I'm like, all right, I guess the Afghan funerals are just different. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess this is just like a male thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, yeah. But when you're carrying the body, so it's it's not like just like a group of like six people. Every yeah. freaking body in it, like, and their sons are trying to jump in and carry the body, you know. So I guess like there's some kind of like sawab behind it or something if you're carrying the body for a little bit. So like mm-hmm. everyone would rotate, and it was really bothering me because I'm like, I'm thinking worst case scenario in my head, right? Like, yeah. God forbid somebody comes to try to hold the body, and like we don't have enough like weight holding it on one side, and you know, like somehow yeah. like this, the coffin falls and like, so like I was, I was getting very like flustered and just like, all right, we, we need to hurry up and like get her to her burial ground because I don't want anything to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then we stopped before we got to the actual, like, like her actual lot. Um, and we did the namaz at Jonazat and I'm not very religious, right? I've said this before. I'm yeah. I'm culturally Muslim, but I'm not I don't practice. So I didn't know what you're supposed to do during that prayer because it's a different prayer, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not actually going in like full sajda. Is that yeah. the proper term for it? Yeah. Um, so luckily for So me, wait, what's the first part of the prayer? Like Sorry, I would I got go ahead, go ahead. I, he, I think he did like a few like takbirs and, oh, then, yeah. and then he said like two surahs and then it was followed by more takbirs. You don't actually go into like sajda during that, during the namaz and janazah, I guess. Yeah, you don't. And then for me, um, I barely know how to pray regularly. So like learning a new prayer, like a new yeah. way of doing it is kind of like, yeah, it's tough. You know, that, that whole prayer is confusing to be honest. I sometimes just follow along because it's yeah. like the most confusing one. Well, that's what I did. I was in the front, you know, luckily I was in the first row. So whatever the imam did, I followed. So I waited for him to do something. And then I I was like, all right, you just did that. So I'm going to do that. Because I saw people behind, like on the side of me, like trying to like go in the sajana. I'm like, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I was a funeral hopper for the sake of my research, I still couldn't get it right. I mean, it would just, I'd just be like, I really hope I'm behind someone who knows. So. Yeah. I mean, I felt good that like other people were messing up next to me. So I was like, all yeah. right, well, like at least I'm not the only one who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, which was kind of a sense of relief because it's like you're expected to like know what's going on since you're the okay. one having the funeral, you know? Totally. Um, but then, so we take the body to the lot and um, 
you know, this was the most surreal moment of the funeral for, or the, the whole process for me. Um, my cousin Ali told me about it before. He's like, you know, he's like, Hey, be prepared. They're probably going to ask like some of us to go down there and position a body towards Mecca. And I'm like, like in the grave, in the grave. What? Yeah. So we, we, okay. Yeah. Wait, is this like, was first of all, the cemetery that you guys went to, is that like the cemetery where all the Afghans are buried? Um, it's because Southern California is so big, right? Oh. There's, there's uh, a sec. So this cemetery that we went to, we got the lot um, next to uh, to my grand my grandfather's uh, like burial yeah. place, right? Oh, so, uh, that's romantic. Yeah. Okay, good. well, it's I, I guess like we thought ahead, right? Like after my yeah. grandfather passed away, we you put down purchased a, we purchased the lot next to his because okay. you know like we wanted them to be at rest together. So yeah. we already had purchased this 10 years ago. Like, so we already knew where she was going and all that stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so when we took her there, uh, I don't remember cause when my grandmother, my, my grandfather passed away, uh, I was 20 years old, but I was still in a state of shock. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't recall anyone going down there, but. So um, did you actually go down there inside your grandmother's grave? This? Yeah. So that's creepy. Right? How is that? It's wait a minute, Nora. You're the one that washed Bibi John's body. <laughs> yeah. I think that's even more. Yeah. I'm not inside a hole. It's like when I washed her body, I did it. I've been around my mom. My mom's like, oh, mom for, for preface. I could not do it. I have my mom has had me help with other funerals. I never walked into that room. Well, so here to me, the thing is like. It is a very simple process of cleaning. It's like you just basically give them their last rites. You give them wuzu, like you put like you put water in their mouth, their hands, their hair, the same way someone would do wuzu, and it's done very respectfully. And if Isn't any hair, um, they look like a doll. It's like literally like you're just. My grandma was four eleven. She's a tiny petite woman, and she looked restful and happy. And we were with her during her last moment. So, my aunts. The reason I helped is because my aunts um, were too emotional to participate. And so then when they walked in, they couldn't do it. And I was like, Yo, someone has to do it. And I don't want a stranger to be doing this. It yeah. feels very weird to have like someone who's not related to her take care of her. And so I just um, we had different cut cloths and we wrapped her. And so it was like wrapping a doll. And for me, um, I think because I, I do firmly believe in an afterlife, like that cut me calm, right? Like I really like did, um, fall back on like my own beliefs to like help me recover in those moments. But to me that, I was doing with my, everyone's around you and so you're on to your mom, but being inside a hole that feels, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is not the first one. I I know Omar has mentioned they did that for, um, uh, Susan's wife, Omar's wife's, um, uncle. So, but I didn't know that this was so common. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know either. I guess we had done it at my grandfather's, but I don't remember Uh it. Right. Cause like, like I said, like I was in, I was more in a state of shock during when my grandfather passed away. Like, even though I was expecting his, his passing as well. Um, I was a lot because I guess like, I'm, I'm almost 30 now. Right. And I was 20 years old when my, my grandfather passed away and being 10 years older now, like I've, you know, I've matured a lot. So like, I'm trying to process everything a lot better during my grandmother's like, uh, passing more so than I was my grandfather's. 
Mm. But my cousin Ali had already warned me. He's like, hey, they're going to ask people to do it. He, he flat out told me, he's like, I'm not going to do it. He's like, because I guess he had just done it for his grandfather over the summer. Aww. So, so he's, he said he couldn't do it. And, um, it, it was surreal and it was a really tough moment, but it was me and my two brothers. Right. So the fact that my brothers and I were in there together, yeah, kind of made it easier for me. Right. Yeah. Um, so like the, and the thing is, is my grandma lived with us for almost 15 years, you know, like of our lives. So like almost half my life, my grandma's lived with me. Wow. And like, the fact that it was us three in there kind of was like a bond that like, I'm glad that I shared with my brothers, but it was still mm. like, it was surreal being in that grave, you know, like, yeah, you kind of feel claustrophobic, even though like, you know, there's, you have the opening above you, but like being down there, you're, you have this sense of like claustrophobia of like, I'm in a grave, like never in my life that I think that, that I, I would think that I'd be in an actual grave except yeah. for like after like I was, had already passed. Like, it was just like a weird like you know people mm. have like that feeling like they have that phobia of being buried alive oh yeah you totally. kind of get that experience there Oof. Yeah. you know it's I, I i know it's tough but at the same time i'm like i'm just going to acknowledge that internally i'm feeling a little bit i don't know if jealous is the right word to say but maybe like uh, frustrated that the way funerals are kind of gendered sometimes where I felt like, you know, even as an ethnographer, when I was a researcher studying things, I, I tried to be really, really respectful of the Afghan families. So a lot of times they weren't comfortable with women going to the burial site. Um, so I wouldn't go to the burial site, even though it was literally my job to observe these things. But at my grandmother's funeral, I remember very distinctly because that was my grandfather had already passed. This is my grandmother now. And like for me, I I felt like I wasn't able to be as involved because I'm a, here I am a girl. And so like things like you're able to be with her in mm-hmm. her final little moment, I know it's probably so tough for you, but I think of it as like such a beautiful thing too, kind of, yeah. you know, because it's kind of like you are the one that's the closest to her and her very final moment, you know? Yeah. So like it, while it was, it was surreal, but it was, it, it was like, it, I, I felt like a sense of kinship with my brothers with it. Yeah. So like, I, I'm happy that I did it. Like yeah. I probably never want to do it again, but like just that's being, good. you know, like it, it was still a, like a good feeling afterwards, like knowing that like I helped lay my grandmother to rest. Who told you guys to do it? Uh, the imam. Oh, so he was just like, you guys yeah. get in there. Yeah. And he like told us like which way we need to like shift her body. We have to like, uh, I, we were actually putting dirt underneath her body to keep her like towards like Mecca. Yeah. Properly. Wow. Mecca. Wow. Yeah. And then one of the things that like is strange to me, um, and I've said this before to like, even before my grandmother passing uh, other like Janazas and like Dafins that I've been to. Um, cause the Dauphin is the actual burial part. The Janazah is the prayer, I guess. I, I didn't know they were different until this last one when yes. like Ali told me the difference. But during the Dauphin, I guess before like the, the gravekeepers put in the, the, the dirt, we all scoop in like three shovels of dirt. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like our, it's a, I, every like Dauphin I've been to, I, we've done that. Like we'll go and like each of us, it's like, we're burying our own like family. And like mm. it, it throws me off. I don't like doing it, but, um, you know, like 
it's something that we have to do. I, I thought there was some kind of like cultural or religious thing behind it. Yeah, I mean, the odd numbers is always um, a religious thing. You know how they're like, right now it's Moed on. Mm-hmm. So when you eat one day, if you're going for another, they're like, eat three, odd numbers is better. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> so, you don't know that? No. Family, Nara. Yeah, you clearly pay attention better than me. <laughs> so I think that number three is because of that odd number thing. But okay. um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the throwing dirt on the family, I've seen that done at basically every... Um, I cried a lot. I cry a lot when I do that. I mean, I I didn't get three scoops in because I was shoved in between 30 plus grandchildren. And so I'm just trying to scoop in, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Well, the thing is, is, um, so my uncle, um, who's the oldest like male in our family, he went first. Right. So, you know, that's, that's her, her only son. He did it first. And then, um, Ali was our oldest male cousin there. So he went second. And then, and then it was. And then me. was it you? Yeah, it was me. Okay, that. so Diz, I want to move this conversation to like what it was like for you to host the actual, um, Fatia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, hosted the Fatia. Yeah. Um, what? So there's a line, right? Like. Uh, at so the after, so let me stop for a sec. So after the grave site, usually what happens is you move over, and it's the lunch before the khatim where you like you line up, right? And so you line up, and people come in and give their condolences, and yeah. then there's a dinner, right? So this is that yeah. part of the story. That's part. So, but it's okay. not a lunch. It's actually just for, in, in our family, we just go in the masjid, and there's two okay. hours, two hours of prayer. So between uh, four and six. We had just like, all right, everyone's showing up at the masjid to come for prayers. Or sorry, five and seven was the, the okay. prayer. Oh, yeah, prayer the time. condolence greeting yeah. time. So okay. it's separated by, you know, like men and women. There's the women's side was behind us and the men's side. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, for the men, it was like my uncle, uh, me, my, uh, and like a few of my other cousins, like my, her nieces or her nephews. Sorry. Right. So it was like so basically, you- like, sorry, go ahead. What was that? No, like, what did you have to do as the eldest? Like, is this sort of, like, one of the hosts? Like, what were you surprised by? Oh, basically, like, I had... What they wanted me to do was just sit in that row, right? So there's a line of chairs on the side of the masjid. Yeah, yeah. And, like, everyone's praying Mm -hmm. in front of me, right? That's Mm -hmm. awkward. So I'm on the side, like, kind of, like, put on a pedestal. And it's very awkward, right? Like, you... I, I feel like you're on The Bachelor in some ways, though, Diz. They're like, here is our single (laughs) grandson. (laughs) Yeah, except it was all guys inside the room that I was in, right? Oh. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, but you know what happens on the lady side, right? When you yeah, walk they... into a funeral, every auntie is checking out all the young girls walking in, doing that condolence walk. Oh, see, I guess it's different for the guys. Like, it's just like, yeah. I'm, I didn't know what to do, right? Because I'm not very, uh, again, I'm not very practicing. So, like, I'm just sitting there and, like, this may sound terrible to say, but, like, my whole mind state was like, all right, can we just like hurry up with this? Like, let's get this going. Like, I don't want to sit here in front of everyone. And then it was like 15 to 20 minutes. They do like a couple prayers and then they do like some duas and then a group would get up, they'd come and like, they'd go like one by one, shake everyone's hands and like, basha. and like some old men would come and kiss me. I, f- I swear to God, I felt like my face got a rash because I had just shaved that morning. <laughs> And like all these dudes with their stubble kissing oh me on the cheek, yeah. irritated the hell out of my skin. You know, I'm not a fan of getting kissed on the cheek that many damn times. So like, 
it just it kept going on for two hours. I literally That's had like exhausting. you know what this reminds me of. It, it's interesting. I when I was in Little Kabul, they were obsessed. When you talk to the people at the mosque, they were obsessed with talking about almost like boasting about their funeral services. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be like, Same well. More. Well, it was interesting because it was like, okay, I'd go to the mosque. I'd never see a young person there. So I'd talk to them about it. And so one of the board members I talked to is actually not a practicing Muslim, but Mm -hmm. he's a board member of the mosque. And he's talking to me about how this is preserving our Afghaniyat and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then they all are showing off about their funeral services. Yeah, this is where the condolence thing happens. We let this and that and whatever. And I realized... For Afghans, and maybe they don't acknowledge it, maybe it's subconscious, but I feel like the sense of loss they've experienced back home mm-hmm. has really made them almost obsessive in a way about the process of taking care of the dead here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like everyone That's back deep. home, everyone back home has a story of my cousin, my brother, my whatever went missing. We don't know what happened to him. He wasn't even on the name, the list of names that the communists released, whatever, all this stuff. And I feel like funerals for Afghans become even to the next level, even more than, you know, because what you're kind of describing sounds like you're feeling like there's a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility and a lot of extra put on you more than you would expect. Right. And I don't know if you relate to that or you feel my vibe of what I'm saying, but I feel like it's because they weren't able to do that properly for so many that they lost there. Mm-hmm. That they're now kind of compensating, I that guess, in a sense. way. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense now that I think about it, right? Because we have the means for it now, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's easier to do it now. So it's like, it's it almost kind of becomes like a show right? yeah. because of that, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, um, you guys were saying like how you guys had the dinner after, right? So we yeah. did that yeah. too. We had a separate party room to go through to go to after. You had to like and rent a hall. Yeah, we rented a hall. Luckily, like we we found it in time, so we rented this hall, and That's it's kind of more it's kind of more the same of like what happened the first three days, except there's more people now, right? So it's like we're mm-hmm. serving food for like two hundred fifty. Yeah, there's a ton it's of like people a there. Yeah, and it's just like all right, like let's just get this over with. And I remember the whole time I was there, just like all right. Fuck, dude! I'm, if I have to serve need to one more old person, I'm gonna <laughs> like I'm gonna kill myself. Like you know, like like I can't do this anymore. You know? Yeah. But like, I think the nice thing that happened at the dinner that um, we did a little differently is, you know, like so we said some words, and uh, you know, like my my aunt went up, she spoke some words, um, said some things in Farsi, and then me being the, the eldest male grandson there, right? Um, like uh, who was still there at for dinner, they asked me to kind of like give like a eulogy in English for my grandma, right? Okay. And it, that for me was like the most helpful part of it, right? Because yeah. I'm in front of everybody and I'm freaking shaking. I've spoken in front of people. Did like, you even know this for, was going to happen? They gave me a warning the night before. Oh, okay. So like I'm sitting there just kind of like I stayed up all night writing something. Luckily, I'd wrote like a really nice post about her on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah. I kind of just took that and like added more to it, took some stuff out. You know, like um, I made it more for my family because it did help. Like after I said it, like I'm sitting there shaking the whole time and I'm crying as I'm giving it, like as I'm saying all this stuff. But like yeah. afterwards, like my mom and my aunts, you know, like coming up to me and like hugging me and crying Aww. and telling me that they needed that. Yeah. was was like was very helpful to me and it helped me like 
mourn because like I was able to say what I wanted to say and I was able to say it to my family and yeah. the people that I'm closest to. So like yeah. that, that was kind of like a sense of closure at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, our I'm, family did it a little differently this time. We didn't do a shower jamagi or any like a chill or anything like that. So like, oh. yeah, we, um, my, the whole thing was, is we saw it happen in the past. Right. And yeah. we, we heard it was very cultured. Like it's an Afghan thing. A shower jamagi is not like an Islamic thing. Shower jamagi for uh, translation is the, the night of the Friday, the Thursday night, the night before um, yeah. Friday. Usually, like, I guess you do, like, uh, a khatim or just, like, some prayers and, like, dinners. Yeah. And we didn't want to do that. Like, our grandma didn't want it. She asked us not to do that. Right? Really? Yeah. She said she didn't want to. She said, don't put an extra burden on yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, because she knew for us it was going to be tough losing her. She was the matriarch of our family. She was the glue that held us together. And yeah. she knew how tough it was going to be. So she asked us not to do that. So we didn't do it. And um, I'm really glad we didn't because I'm telling you, man, serving Finney and chai to these old people, like <laughs> instead of like having time for myself, like yeah. being being alone and like Thursday nights are were our family nights anyway. Before my mm. grandmother passed, um, we all go to my aunt's house and just do like dinner there and kind of hang out. Yeah, and we just kind of kept that tradition going, right? That's sweet. That's I guess it's, it's interesting. Uh, I guess like on the one hand you're my friend, right? So I'm hearing this story and I'm feeling for you because I'm like, this is such a, so real and it's so close to home and it's so similar. On the other hand, as a researcher, I'm like, it's just, it's so amazing to me how many similarities there are. You're in SoCal. I was watching funerals in the Bay Area. My grandparents died in Ohio. And yet all of these have so many similar elements in them. And um, I guess maybe since we're wrapping up, I'll just end with this, that it was so fascinating one I don't I don't know if it's like a favorite memory but a memory that stands out to me is that I was attending my my friend's dad had passed away mm-hmm. and so I was attending the funeral and afterwards the dinner and the khatam that happened there and I'm sitting there in this room with about 300 people in uh, what was from former Flamingo Palace which was like the first Afghan banquet hall in the Bay Area I've heard and of this place yeah, <laughs> infamous for having a ton of different concerts and weddings, and everyone and their mom has gone through there. And this Even place, like was, Hamza Yusuf, has rolled through, like yes, all the stuff, the, all, all this stuff. And and here I am for a funeral, um, the same place that I was at a wedding here the week before. And then Khalid Husseini gets up, who, if you, many Afghans know, is the author of the Kite Runner, and he gives yeah. a beautiful poem and a eulogy. And I'm just sitting there, like this is an amazing moment because I feel like funerals, I know it's, it's weird to think of them in this way, but they kind of epitomize Afghanness. You know, they're mm-hmm. frustrating in many ways, but it's almost like we never lose our sense of hospitality and generosity as a people, no matter what happens to us. And I also, I know that talking about our resilience is frustrating, but it's so interesting to see us go through these things because really the families kind of stick together. And in the end, that resilience kind of shines through. And here I am, the guy who wrote the kite runners up there. We're in Flamingo Palace. An auntie just tried to propose to me for her son. (laughs) You know, like so many things are coming together. And I'm like, this is really like the diasporic experience in a nutshell, more so than a wedding even. You know, I don't know if you guys feel what I'm saying, but 
Yeah, no, for sure. It's, just, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to reflect on because it's very frustrating going through it and it's, you know, it's tiring and emotionally exhausting, but, um, it's just, it's also just interesting how our culture kind of comes together and even like the frustrations we have with it kind of come out in these moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny, but I low key think that they had me give the eulogy because they wanted to show off that I could be articulate. Yeah, it was decked out in the suit, so that's what it was. Um so So now uh for the sake of the podcast clarification, are you single or are you taken? I'm single, leave me alone, stop there trying. you go. Hello. <laughs> so podcast clarification. As the younger sister who's taking the older sister role here for a moment, Nudo, are you single or you're not? She's single okay. people. Well, okay, Nudo okay. and Diz are both single. <laughs> you can't, that, you can't push it if you can't take it. Yeah, I yeah. did not know you're gonna turn into Allah this quick. You've just been married two seconds and already. Hey. You know what? I'm glad she did that to you. Yeah. You can't pay back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much um, for joining. I don't know, Diz, if you had any final reflections yeah. um, as we wrap up. Uh, a, few, a few last things. Um, I think so. F- this was kind of a a, a strange. I don't, I don't want to say strange, but it was kind of different because this was mine and all of my first cousins' last grandmother or last grandparent. Right. Oh wow. Um, like all of our other grandparents had passed away earlier and like with my grandma being the last of like our grandparents, um, it kind of, you know, it's, it's like the end of like the old guard for lack of a better term. So it's like now the traditions that I learned from her, I have to now turn to like my aunts too. Uh, and like they've been in this country a lot longer. So they've kind of become inundated with, with more of the American culture than like you know, like my grandmother and like, you know, my other grandparents were, you know, so like we're kind of becoming more of a hyphenated culture now that like that older generation is gone. And so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of sad to see that, right. That maybe some of the cultures that we had are going to, are going to be gone with them being gone. Um, so that, that kind of sucks, but in a moment of levity, um, I have to say, uh, you guys haven't met my cousin Mustafa, but my cousin Mustafa is the most random, awkward, goofy person you'll ever meet in your life. All right. So Mustafa, when my grandmother was passing away, like we're all like sobbing and mourning. Uh Mustafa stress eats. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So, and and like, I think, yeah, he he like shoving cookies in his mouth while you guys are crying. Literally. Right. (laughs) My Wait, aunt, why does everyone have this one cousin? Don't say their name, Nora, but you know who I'm talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Look, my my aunt legitimately, like, after my grandma passed away, like, she banned Mustafa from being at the hospital if she's ever <laughs> passing away. Because this guy, right, he's going around, he's getting cookies, pizza, like, crackers, whatever the hell he could get his hands on. He just, like... He leaves the room, comes back in. He's got like a handful of like fucking oh my God. apples, and he's sitting there munching on an apple. And he's like, "Hey, you guys want anything?" And <laughs> we're looking at him like, "Dude, are you kidding me right now?" He's like, "What? Oh my Dude, God. I'm trying to make That's sure everyone's amazing. fed." 
Yeah, oh, he, I'm so here for that. Can I just say, when Afghans go to the hospital, yes, it's a sad experience, but people will never forget us at that hospital. No, oh, no. they won't. No. This was te- this was texting me from the hospital. He's like, everyone here knows us. I'm like, they that know. sounds about right. There's yeah. people on me at the hospital too. Yo, like legit, we took up three waiting rooms. Wow. <laughs> three waiting rooms and then a couple like- common spaces. Like, that's so real all like it was just there was literally i think the day is this why we get banned from parks you guys no no but at least did cousin did your cousin mustafa go into the nurse's dining room their private one no we he, had a, what? We had, what? Uh, i'm not gonna say the name again but we had a cousin go in <laughs> take the nurse's stash of the mini ice creams and spread it out for all the cousins there are 35 cousins on just that one side no, do you remember no. that nora now I remember. I think of, I think the the nurse didn't say anything, but I really thought someone was gonna oh. get like kicked out of the hospital for stealing the ice cream stash. Yeah, no, he was slick. He went to the cafeteria and bought a whole bunch of stuff. No, we didn't buy. My cousin stole. He legitimately was like, "That's the staffer's fridge. They keep ice cream." And then he knew when she was leaving, and then that's when he would go in and grab things. So, yeah. damn. On yeah. that note. Yeah, your cousin's ballsier than mine for sure. Oh. Dr. Sadiq, thank you for joining us. Um, This has been really fun. This is only the beginning of the Afghan playbook. Future discussions will discuss weddings and more contentious topic of food. Iman has a food blog at Imanistan on Instagram. But um, I don't know if I can be on that call because Diz and I might fight. Yeah, no, I'll kick you off the damn podcast. <laughs> what? That's a, that's yeah. no, right now. no, I think we need to like be. I don't think no. you do it, respect the way you talk about Arab versus Afghan food. Arab you need to approach this. No, you need to approach it with a manner of respect. Yeah. Know who you are and know where you're at when you're talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Respect that Afghan food is better than Arab food. No, no, no. Sure. I'm not going to say that either. But damn it, Iman, you're supposed to have my back here. <laughs> Listen, if you were to offer me mantu or shawarma, I would pick the shawarma. No, I'll get out of here. Yeah, I'm out of here. I I don't know her either, Diz. I don't know her either. I can't believe you put mantu on on a surface with anything else. Yeah, I want to... But you know what? She she likes Oshak better than mantu, so she doesn't even know what she's talking about. I'm like... You guys both team mantu? Yeah. Um, We're team smart. We're done. No, you guys, you neither of you are lamb. Kishmish prefers chicken or lamb. Halal. You would yeah. probably yeah. say you like chicken better than lamb. You're not so even asking. Yeah. yeah. I have a no. picture of Diz's wedding play at Omar Aziz's wedding. I will circulate that now. It's my black Maybe he was girl. eating lamb so that he could dance. No, I had sabzi and chalal, and that's it. What? No, wait, that wasn't Omar's. You know, that was, it uh, was Omar's wedding. Were you temporarily vegetarian? Oh, no, oh. it was Idris's wedding. Yeah, it was Idris's Our wedding. Our uncle's wedding. Yeah, that I had just uh, sabzi and chalal on there. That's Did it. Roll and chili? Is that why? No, no. It was a I choice. Just, I love sabzi. Sabzi's like my favorite thing in the world. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. a choice. You didn't even get the wedding shola? No. You didn't I, get the wedding shola. No, I did sabzi all the way. Man, I count down to weddings for that shoulder. So this is a sneak preview for our next Avian Playbook conversation on food. Thank you, Iman. Thank you, Diz. Um, until next time, have a good night. Shabbat Love it.